Welcome to WP Tonic Roundtable Podcast, where a panel of leading WordPress junkies discusses the latest WordPress and internet stories of the week. Now, on with the show with your moderator, Jonathan Denwood. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Roundtable Show. This is episode 572. Got a small but powerful panel, a bit like last week, really, listeners and viewers. I've rustled up some stories. I think it's going to be a good show. I'm going to let the panel quickly let them introduce themselves. <laughs> uh, um, Sally, would you like to quickly introduce yourself? I'm Sally Getch, WP fangirl. <clears throat> Uh, WordPress cat lady, uh, and no. and the person whose uh, uh, shirt may disappear because it's too close to chroma green. Uh, yes, I was wondering that. Yeah. Um, Chris, Chris, would you like to introduce yourself? I'm Chris from Lifter LMS, and I help wor- WordPress professionals build world-class online learning platforms. That's it. Keep, keep going. Spencer, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, Spencer Foreman from LaunchFlows.com. And today, I'd like people to visit wplaunchify.com. All right. Yeah, you would. And I also, by the way, I want to see if this works. Uh, I have a new toy that'll be my recommendation, but I'm not sure if my microphone's set up for this. So can you guys hear stuff? Yes. Oh, yeah, he's got sound effects as well now. Okay, so now I'm introducing... echoey. Yeah, it's kind of far away. I was thinking I'm going to introduce sound effects to all of the things that I talk about now. So... In the event, you know, something good works, you know. It just make the podcast so much more annoying. No, I, I, I have listened to a podcast where they did a lot of, of those uh, 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 audio drop-ins. That they got to be kind of tra- uh, uh, traditional. And, and, uh, can, we get this, can we get this going, actually? All right. Uh, before... Uh, before we go into the main stories, um, I'd like to talk about my major sponsor, which is Kinsta Hosting. Kinsta is a WordPress-only hosting provider, providing power and speed to its users. If you've got a site, a WooCommerce, a membership site, a Lifter LMS site, and you, you, you will need performance for yourself or for one of your clients, I suggest that you can go over to Kinsta and get that performance which you need. Go over there. They've got all the technology, all the great service, all the great support and backup that you are looking for. So go there. Have a look at their plans. I suggest that you should buy one of them. Um, if you do, and I highly recommend that you do, um, please tell them that you heard about them on the WP Tonic show. It helps Ginster and it really supports the show. So into story one. Bluehost Moose Moose's WordPress trademark. Um resonating controversy over recommended host page. What do you reckon about this one, Spencer? This is a the underlying story here, just to give the background, is that WordPress since forever has had the official hosting service recommendation page, which, as it turns out, gives the appearance to newbies or those that haven't been around for any time that it's an objective, here's the hosting that we recommend. When in fact, it is really perhaps some kind of back way of essentially doing an affiliate link service or some of the kind of monetization ploy because the people that fund Automatic are actually the ones that own several or one of more of the companies that are being recommended. But the bigger problem is 
in 2021, just like all the other stuff we talk about here, it seems wildly inappropriate that that page is not actually showing any of the contemporary hosts that any of us actually use. I mean, sure, Bluehost is one of the hosts, but that's like sort of saying, um, you know, uh, you can buy a new car today. You can buy the one that hooks up behind your horse, the one with the V8 454 Hemi engine or the Tesla. There's really only one that is today's kind of thing. And when Matt Mellenweg was called out on this, he gave his classic passive aggressive, I live in an alternative universe answer. Um, and so anyway, that's what the story is about. But it's really a sad, it's a sad reflection, in my opinion, of more of the same. And there's a story that I don't know we're going to talk about this week, which is, again, more of more of the same, that WordPress is pretending that it's still six or eight people in a clubhouse with tie-dye t-shirts, smoking pot, and having a potluck dinner when it's really a corporate entity acting in somewhat financially motivated only reason, ways, and so forth. That was a long answer, mm. sorry. No, seems quite good to me. Sally, what did you think of it? Uh, right. So uh, WordPress has a trademark policy uh, that I got personally reminded of relatively early on because even though I knew about trademarks, I had just sort of, you know, blithely uh, bought a domain name with WordPress in it and and started something up. And I got contacted very politely and told, uh, you know, this, you know, you can't do this. And uh, I found an alternative and, and was fine. Uh, but you know, what happened was uh, Bluehost used the WordPress logo uh, in an ad. S somebody spotted the ad, reported it, and said, uh, yeah, no, um, it, you know, it's very clear in our published guidelines that you can't do this. Uh, and, you know, they got in touch with Bluehost. Bluehost took the ad down. It looks like, you know, that will be worked out. But... Um, you know, I have to wonder whether this has anything to do with the recent acquisition of EIG. Is this Morton, by the way, our Morton? Uh, where? Morton wears a mask? Yes, that one. It's him? Mm -hmm. Is that his new thing? So he's like, is he undercover? Because we know it's him, but like he always had trouble with this. So he's sort of outing this. Uh, well, it, no. I mean, Morton wears a mask is just about the, the pandemic. Um, oh, I, okay. Uh, but, uh, 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 you know, uh, he, he appears to... Surprise, I'm surprised he bothered. He must be getting... I have to get back on the show. He's interested in WordPress. He must be regenerating. Uh, um, so, yeah, put, yeah. I, I, it yeah. is interesting as a, you know, hmm, I mean, you know, Bluehost has been part of that program for a long time. What, you know, who got inspired to uh, 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 to do that? And is it because there's someone else in charge? They've always had um, WordPress and Automatic, and they've always had a bit of a kind of funny relationship with their major sponsors. There was, um, you know... Um, in some ways. And in other ways, before I put it over to Chris, you know, I always thought, we, on reflection, I always thought we got a bit over what I did about bad hosting. There's just loads of bad hosts. There's bad, some, loads of bad companies in there, you know. So what, really? Uh, what do you reckon, Chris? I think it's an interesting situation because I like this uh, quote that one of my business coach people is named Dan Martell says, which is that SaaS stands for success as a service. And for somebody to be successful, sometimes they need more than just your one tool. 
So I've ended up in this spot as a LMS plugin creator where people also need other stuff to be successful with our software, like hosting, uh, like experts that can help them build the site. These are all things we do to surround our customers. Funny enough, Chris, I know a company that provides really good hosting and all the services that you need to use Lyfter LMS. Do you know yes. that, Chris? Yeah, Jonathan at WP Tonic is on our recommended hosting list as well as the sponsor of the show, I believe, Kensta. And there's several others like uh, WP Engine. We've got Gridpane. They've had their different takes. Cloudways has grown in popularity in our community. In order for us to recommend these resources, we do a lot of testing and vetting with the community because we're essentially attaching our reputation to what we're recommending. Just like when we recommend an expert, we want somebody to have a great experience building a site with that person. If they come back to us, they're like, oh, it was horrible or whatever. We, now we have a problem. But I care more about the success of the user than um, it's just really important. In order to truly support them, I need to make recommendations. But that means when I do that, I need to take on the responsibility of quality control and making sure the list is up to date and comprehensive and stuff like that. So that's why I understand why automatic my it got maybe started recommending hosts because hey, to use WordPress, you need web hosting. Um, as a plugin author, like hey, you need a theme to be successful. So we recommend great themes made by other companies and stuff like that. Now the WordPress trademark issue I find really fascinating. And I've run into this myself, so I just don't touch it. Like the uh, domain name or the icon. When I like, I promote WordPress all the time, but I'm not going to stick the W on my YouTube banners where I'm constantly promoting WordPress uh, because I, I I might be in the trademark territory, even though I am helping grow that community. So I think all this comes back to a. Um, that issue of the .com versus .org, I think them sharing the same name and therefore the same word mark or whatever it's called in legalese creates is problematic. Like the free open source central tool should be a little, the, the, to use that if it's part of what you do should be a little more free in my opinion. And it would be helpful if WordPress.com had a different name, but I understand that there's some legacy issues there and stuff like that. But um, yeah, well, but this is sense. but this is one of the few things. If if you make open source software, your you know uh, your code is up for grabs, but yeah. your business identity is not. And this is this is the thing. So yeah, theoretically, somebody can uh, you know take your code, uh, give it a new name, and sell it, but they can't sell it under your business name. Mm -hmm. uh, because, uh, you know, you have uh, trademarked that and that's what your reputation is is attached to. And, uh, you know, the, <clears throat> anybody who has a website, you know, like a hosting company can say, yeah, we do, you know, we do WordPress hosting. We optimize for WordPress, blah, 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 blah. Um, and, you know, a consultant can say, yeah, I build WordPress websites and, and you know, <clears throat> there are people who will, you know, put logos on their site of like, well, I work on this platform and this platform and this platform, and that's okay. It's it's when you are using the name in a way that implies that you are somehow officially part of uh, uh, that company. And although WordPress does recommend uh, uh, Bluehost for, you know, reasons that are impenetrable to me, um, 
you know, the the uh, advertising your services versus theirs with it is uh, fairly clearly off limits. This whole thing is a nonsense because I don't practice trademark law as a you know profession. I mean, I'm an attorney and a trial attorney, but what I could say is, first of all, there's very few instances in the commercial realm where you have a .org company and a .com company. And so the trademark issues come down to Somebody screwed up royally by having two different types of companies, one that's for public good, open source, and one that's for pay, have the same name. But now, even though technically he donated the name and the trademark to the foundation, nobody else has been allowed to license it. You've never seen one instance of anybody else using it except for WordPress.com. Well, it got donated to the WordPress Foundation. It didn't get donated to the public. But I'm saying... If you are looking at what is in the best interest of the foundation, they've got something that's worth a zillion dollars and nobody else has been allowed to use it except for the private company, or I should say it's public, if it's public shares, owned by Automatic, which is the .com. And the, the problem with this is that on the hosting page, there's three hosts. With deference to what Chris says, it's had three hosts on it since... Jesus walked the earth. I mean, since 2006, it hasn't changed. And they used to say that they use that to fund the organization because we all know it's true that they get affiliate referral links from Bluehost and SiteGround and so forth. And at the bottom, there's even this legal jargon, which kind of covers what Chris is talking about. Don't send us takedown notices or legal notices and blah, 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 because it's not our problem. But yet right below it, it says, be listed on this page. So the whole thing is like completely disingenuous and false. No companies will be listed. The three companies that have been there forever are all paying automatic directly. The trademark that was donated essentially for all the tax benefits and all the public good gets used by nobody but the commercial entity. And one of the three companies is owned by the company that gave Mullenweg the, the money for automatic. So the whole thing is, it's not like we care. We know what it is. It's just amazing that he continues to pretend like none of us are awoken to the reality of this. I mean, that's the only part that it comes down to. And I'm not even annoyed. I'm saying it like, it's it's like the same political fiction that we see when you watch Fox News or something like that. It's just not the truth. Yeah, it's not annoying. It's just irritating, isn't it? It's just, it just leaves a bit of a bad taste in one's mouth, doesn't it? That's, I don't, I don't let it annoy me anymore now, but I just find I just find his stuff irritating. Wouldn't it be I'm refreshing wondering. if, like, literally, instead of some, I don't know, dystopian, uh, you know, novel, if if Matt one day woke up and said, "Listen, guys, I made I, mean, I, bu- I built I built a company for profit. I'm doing everything I can to make profit. The profit company's here, and the rest of the software is here for your benefit. But like, let's call it what it is, you know." This is for our reasons of making money and this isn't. Because that's the part that's that's annoying. It's like somebody who's your friend who claims to be your friend and they keep doing things that are so obviously hurting you or annoying you or disturbing and they just won't annoying. come out and say it. Yeah, yeah, no. annoying, I would say. Um, yeah, I just don't know why he's more upfront about it because, you know, he had, you know the, the setup has really benefited a lot of people. You know, he didn't have, you know, but on the other hand, on the other hand, he got... A, that setup got a lot of people to do a lot of work for him at the beginning for free, didn't it? You know, so both both sides benefited 
from the arrangement, didn't they? So, so let's go on to story two. And this, have, this have, I think, was one that... These Sony are all first... Brought. Let's just clarify. These are all first world problems. Like, none yeah. of us is really sitting here, myself especially. I'm not sitting here going, oh, gee, this is earth-shattering, gotta happen thing. This is, like, about as important as, you know, what, what color iPhone cover to put on your phone or something. I mean, it's like, who cares? We all well, this, 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 this story is one of these WordPress stories that goes away for a year and then it comes back. It comes it comes back as regularly as, as four or five other WordPress stories because nothing's done about it. So it will come back, you know. So, um, so on to the next story, which I think Sally um, put in for us to discuss. Net neutrality law to take effect in California after Judge Deals Blow to Techcom Industry. What's this one about, Sally? Telecom Industry. So um, I, I had uh, uh, not noticed this was happening until I saw this uh, uh, headline, but um, California uh, started voted in a, a net neutrality law that, um, what a surprise, Comcast and Verizon and AT&T uh, objected to. Um, and unlike the uh, Prop 22, um, situation in which uh, uh, Uber and uh, Lyft and uh, <clears throat> some of those, uh, you know, app-organized companies uh, managed to get an exemption from um, the uh, uh, the law that would have made all their, <clears throat> all the people who work for them employees, uh, <clears throat> the uh, uh, yeah. In this case, um, uh, they, uh, I am not very articulate today. In this, in this case, the big companies lost. And so there's going to be some, uh, some official net neutrality. Uh, I read something else that kind of suggested that, that, you know, people have been cha- kind of chasing their tails about uh, net neutrality in, in a way that might not matter very much because while um, you know, theoretically, uh, it's true that Comcast or Verizon or whoever could decide like what content you get to access and and how much you have to pay for it. Uh, and in many cases, there aren't a lot of choices about who to go to for your internet provider. Um, you know, in practice, well, if they don't show that very popular content, they're likely to lose money from the people who provide yeah. it. I think you got to the crux of it because I see what Spencer and Chris says about it. But the crux is it, the main, it doesn't deal with the real major problem. The major problem isn't you ain't got much choice of the provider you can go to, and until that is rectified, there will always be concern and problems. But I, I think it was a beneficial step forward. What do you reckon, Chris? Um, for me, like equal access is like super important to, you know, just across location or socioeconomic status or, or whatever. Um, so the issue, I, I think, is just really important to level the playing field in the way that uh, decentralized and it just, just basically the powers and the people not should be there when it comes to something like internet access. Like it's, it's like a fundamental right in this way. In the same way that, yeah, there's a cost to it, just like there's a cost to WordPress. Like, but anybody can start a media company. Anybody can start a teaching platform. Anybody can start a business with a website or whatever. So when we live in this digital trans- 
transformation world that has only accelerated like crazy in the past year or so uh, equal and fair access to the internet and healthy competition is super important. And I was wondering, I'm not the best at explaining it, so I'd love to turn it over to the panel. If somebody isn't really Zen with net neutrality, could somebody explain like the fundamental, like what it is? Well, before I ever go, the way I saw it was that um, without net neutrality, the actual providers of of your internet, like you know, um, with me, it's Charter. Um, they they could go to one. Um, there are a number of companies that use a lot of bandwidth. Um, like streaming video, they could go to that company and say, look, you use a lot of our bandwidth at peak times and we've got a deal for you, you know. It's a deal you can't really refuse, but it's for your benefit and we will guarantee that your that your content won't be disrupted if you give us more money uh, Um what do you think about that? It's a great deal for it's a win-win for both of us. That's right. You nice pay, business you, you have here. Shame if anything happened to it. It's just a shame if anything would happen to it, Chris. You do want your users to be able to use your software. You know, wouldn't it be great that we could guarantee that for you, Chris? That you, but you've just got to pay us another thirty percent on top. That that's the kind of. Um, the kind of I can't do it in the way Spencer would. That do was the it, worst actually. voice ever. What it would sound like would be, "Hey, uh, listen, it wouldn't be a shame if your uh, company's connection went down. Uh, we want to protect you against that. Uh, so let's work something out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> let's work something out, Chris. You know, are you getting the picture, Chris? Well, it's. Hey. I mean, I'd, it's not quite that because, of course. You know, with many things, if you use more resources, you're expected to to pay more. And I don't know that this is going to like get rid of, you know, overage charges, even though the pandemic uh, during which everybody like knocked yeah. off the overage charges for a while uh, demonstrated that, that they're complete BS. Um, it's a lie. Lie. Yes. Lie. It's a huge lie. This, this, uh, this, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry but uh, the idea that that instead of you know, they could decide what you have access to if if they are who you <clears throat> connect to the internet with. Uh, and it's like, no, if you use our internet service, you can only see, you know, this website and that website and that website. This is such a lie, 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 lie. And guys like that Ajit Pai, who was running the oh, FCC God. under, is, th these guys are so corrupt because the lie starts and ends with this entire thing is a monopoly issue. It's a monopoly over hardware connectivity that costs zero incrementally to add more people to. In other words, if you are Comcast or AT&T and you have the physical connection to people, while it is true that it costs money to initially run the cable or the fiber out to Billy Joe Bob's farm, less than in the city where you just put one cable to a building and then everybody internally wires it themselves. Once that hardware is in place, this is exactly like in the turn of the century with the railroads. John Paul Getty or whomever or Carnegie owns the railway from New York to Los Angeles. 
everybody has to pay to use it. But the railway is there. And even less like that example, here it's digital bits and bytes. There is no extra cost or extra bandwidth problems whatsoever because the compression technologies and the fiber optical technologies has made it that the existing infrastructure they have can take care of everybody. As soon as they've analyzed this, they've realized that every argument about this in, in the claim of, we have to throttle you down because you're using too much. You're using too much of an unlimited resource. And then they lie to you in the same way that they used to lie to us about, oh, we have to charge you 25 cents to send your text message on your, on your trio because you're using so much bandwidth for that one half of one you know, kilobit of, of data. The problem here is that until a disruptor like, and I'm going to say like Elon Musk's Starlink satellite, until or unless Starlink comes in and immediately disrupts it by saying, F all of you with the hardwire connections because all we need to do is give away these modems to everybody and they'll connect to our satellite. And how are we going to fund this? Because we're going to make the guys in the stock trading business pay for this because our Starlinks will get them their connection to the, the, the trading one millisecond faster. So they'll pay a trillion dollars and you guys all get it for free. Until somebody disrupts the whole industry, Comcast and AT&T will be walking along, paying off Ajit Pai and all the other politicians with these false claims and lies. And this is the part that really bothers me about the world we live in. I'm not talking politics, but I am talking the difference between before January 6th and after January 6th with something as simple as just getting people to get, you know, vaccines and stuff like that. Like, that is the difference between perpetuating a lie and doing nothing except pacifying big business versus thinking about what's the benefit of society. Because if everybody as a matter of right in the United States had unlimited internet access, can you imagine what kind of amazing new things would happen for America? All of those amazingly smart kids that are in an inner city or businesses out in the, the rural thing that still have dial up, think about how much amazing cool stuff could be created if there was just a level playing field of unlimited access to the internet. And how could you fund it? Exactly like Elon Musk is doing. Get the people that will pay for it out of their big profit to pay for it. The rest of us just get to use it as a tool to create things for America or Americans. It's just yeah, so obvious to me. It's, um, but it kind of has the kind of echoes of like electricity, doesn't it? Like in the in like Johnson. Um, you don't have to generate electricity here. That's the difference. And the electricity costs money to make. Passing bits and bytes, like if you have a connection to Comcast, there's a physical charge. Okay, they got to send a truck once. That's fair. Charge a connection charge. There is like the maintenance if you ever need it. That's fair. But like the difference between you having one megabit or one gigabit is zero incremental cost. Yeah. They've already demonstrated because the cable or the fiber thing is there. Yeah. Yeah, the initial, but, but well, the yeah, I, was I mean, in a lot of parts of the U.S., the cabling isn't there because, uh, it, it, and in a lot of places, it's old. Uh, because but that's not what this is about. But I mean, no, I that's not you, that's not about you know. If you need to replace the infrastructure, and God knows, I mean, hello, PG and E, like we should have put all those, you know, we should put all the power cables underground a long time ago, right? Um, and 
but that's not what neutrality is about. I no, mean, that's that's, that's not what it's about. It is a, it is a, a you know it is about this monopoly situation. Yeah. So basically, before we go to a break, Chris, they, they're trying to make out there's there's some shortage of bandwidth, where there is no shortage, as Spencer's pointed out, after you've laid the laid, you laid the fiber. It'd be like the if Lifter LMS said, hold on, if Lifter LMS said to their customers, listen, you got to pay $10,000 for Lifter LMS because you're going to use the plugin to put up 100 courses instead of one course. It's like, what the F are you talking about? It's the same software and it's on your host and it costs us no difference. You're making up a lie that says somehow it costs Lifter LMS more money because you're going to use it for 1,000 courses. That's r- ridiculous, right? It's the same thing here. I mean, they're that makes like, sense. I think it's it's just fake scarcity. Is the the market just doesn't believe it anymore? Like if there if we have fake scarcity, it just doesn't fly anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's what they that's what they 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 are desperate to try and create this myth that there's there's some scarcity where there there is none. So um, we will see if they can still achieve their rotten goals. Right, so we're going to go for our break. We'll be back, folks. See you in a few moments. LaunchFlows turns your WooCommerce website into a selling machine. We make it easy to create gorgeous sales funnels, no friction checkouts, order bumps, upsells, downsells, and much more. Gain full control over your buyer's journey from the top of your WooCommerce sales funnel all the way to the bottom. Best of all, you can use your favorite page builder, such as Elementor, Divi, Beaver Builder, Gutenberg, or one of the high-converting templates we've included inside. Get rid of the clunky WooCommerce shop pages and checkout process in favor of an optimized buyer flow that instantly increases conversions and makes you more money. LaunchFlows provides one-click order bumps that increase the total value of every sale with a 10 to 30% conversion rate. This is perfect for anyone offering complimentary products, training, or extended warranties. With unlimited upsells and downsells, your buyer's journey doesn't need to end at the checkout. Instead, we make it easy to display a series of additional offers as part of the original transaction. This is perfect for one-time offers, related products, mastermind class offers, high-ticket software sales, or subscription supplements. Not an expert? Don't worry. We've got the training and the consultation you need. WP Launchify will teach you how to get the most out of launch flows with personal consultation on WordPress, WooCommerce, marketing automation, and much more. If you want to earn more money with your WooCommerce online business, you owe it to yourself to try launch flows today. We're coming back. We've had a good first half, I thought. You know, Spencer went on a bit of a rant. Done a better voice than me about the mob as well. My voice was... Hey, what are you talking about? I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> what you're talking about? Have what he He's got a sound box as well, folks. Hey. Can we have one of your sounds? Be careful what you're talking about, okay? Oh, that was a bit pathetic. That's oh, we've got to get I've got to get on with it, Spence. <laughs> I'm going to have to get one of those. <laughs> I'm so tempted. Um, I, one of the remarks on, oh, you love this panel. Uh, one of the um, 
he still gave us five stars, but one of my latest reviews on Apple is it's a I really love the round table and the panelists, but the presenter talks too much. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, um, on to the next story. Uh, um, story three. <laughs> oh, God. Go away, Spencer. That's what happens uh, on the show. I'm trying, to keep, I'm trying to keep control of this study show, for God's no sake. Chance. All right. WordPress 5.7. Let's administrators send password resend links. Oh, even... even it was a quiet week in WordPress listeners and views. Even saying that out almost comatosed me. Uh, um, what did you reckon, Chris? Go on. I thought this was actually a really interesting article. Um, lately, I've been ex- obsessed with something in software companies called customer success, which is more than just reactive customer tech support. And, you know, if you look at a new user experience, if you've ever worked with a client with a WordPress website or whatever, like the, the top tech support issue is like, I can't log in. This is like fundamental uh, friction point. So customer success is all about removing friction. So allowing the website owner to just click a button to get them the email reduces friction than being like, hey, go to this URL forward slash WP admin and then look for this link, the forgot password link. Here's a screenshot with an arrow. It's so much easier to just say, click the link in the email I just sent you. So that's an example of customer success. In this case, for the end website user, like your customer's customer, perhaps, or even if it's uh, there's not a paid product there. But this is a friction point in WordPress. And it is interesting that it's a five-year-old ticket. Uh, and I don't fault them for this because we... I know as a software company, sometimes it takes a while to get what seems obvious like done. And there's all this prioritization and you know, you can only do so much at once. You have capacity constraints and this kind of thing. But this is a great example of a customer success enhancement. And as WordPress professionals, I think we should all level up and try to um, you know, get these kinds of wins for the end user faster. Yeah, it was um, it, it was sorely missed. It, it was, it's great news that they've done it. I think uh, I think it should have taken a bit less than five years. What do you reckon, Spencer? I'm, I mean, it's nice that they did this. I'm not really sure I understand. I'm looking at the ticket. I'm not really sure I understand the complexity here because the reset password link was always available as, as far as I can recommend to anybody, you just went to a particular place and I think it was universal. So this is more of a convenience item. The debate seems to be over whether this opens the door to phishing where a bad actor could theoretically, because <laughs> they can find the emails typically on a, a WordPress user, they would send out emails like, hey, Spence, here's your reset password link. And it's just a form where you type in your new you know, your old password and your new password, allegedly, but what you're doing is handing me your new password. And I kind of feel like that's more likely to happen than the, uh, like, people really can't find your password link. And for example, I'm not saying everybody uses WooCommerce or even Lifter, but like anytime you use a plugin, it's very obvious. You just go to your My Account and there's a reset password, forgot password. Anywhere there's a login, there's a link. How how hard was this? I just don't understand where the problem is. Like, maybe somebody else knows. I mean, this is like a, a solution for what doesn't appear to be a problem. 
Well, that may be why they took five years about it was that they didn't think it was that critical. I, I mean, it, it looks to me like, you know, kind of a convenience. If you're the uh, the person who manages the website, you can easily send somebody a link. And um, yeah, there are people who, if they go to the login screen, like seeing that little forgot your password, click here. Yep. That that just is, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's tiny and difficult. I mean, I, I ran into an issue uh, recently with somebody who was complaining that uh, the field on a certain form was was broken, that it was asking for your uh, uh, Zoom ID and, and, you know, she would put it in and it, and it wouldn't accept it. Well, what it was asking for was your Zoom link. And there was a little placeholder text with the, you know, HTTPS in it. But that was in the placeholder was in such a light gray that, um, you know, pe people my age and older uh, really have trouble seeing it. Uh, and so uh, there are cases, I mean, I don't think we should, you know, underestimate the difficulty a, a user can have with something that seems stupidly easy and, and obvious to us. Uh, although I, I noticed that one of the commenters points out that, well, the, the webmasters have been having a, a failure of imagination if they can't go and like type the username or email of, of their user in there and, uh, it, you know, trigger the uh, the reset password uh, that way. Um, and, you know, I've had situations where people just like asked me to reset their password. So I reset their password and told them what the new one was. Not super secure. I advised them to change it, which they probably don't. But, you know, most people still persist in having passwords that amount to please hack me. Um, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Well, I advise them anybody I work with, for God's sake, get last password, one password, or or the dozen other alternatives. Well, yes, I there. mean pa password apps are a thing, uh, and they're a thing that everyone uh, should be using, and many of them are free. Uh, but now, for God's sake, in people, 20... people resist this. Um, for God's sake, in twenty. 21, don't, don't use the same password for your banking and for your email admin password than you do with others. You, you, you need to wake up, but you, you are right. You'll be amazed at the kind of passwords people use. You still are. So what do you reckon, Chris? Yeah, I mean, uh, keep it secure. Like, we don't, uh, we, we don't send plain text passwords by email. Like that's like a standard we have, and we actually get a lot of people who want that feature, but like we're not going to do it. Um, but it really, I think what it, it comes down to is we have to remember that we're power users, and something as simple as like a forgot password or a password management software. Like most people, I would bet most people in the world, like ninety five percent, use the same or similar password for everything, or keep every keep it all on like some kind of spreadsheet or even a regular piece of paper. Like it's there's just different levels. Of well, it's darned unlikely uh, people will be <laughs> hacking your piece of paper. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, unless, unless you're in an office. <laughs> oh yeah, but you know, um, uh, the, uh, if if it's uh, you know if if it's at home, then there's actually less likelihood of somebody breaking into your home than of uh, you know information that that you have stored somewhere being being loosed in a breach and you know there are people who are like oh well I, you know i've never bothered with such and such because who would want to hack me and it's like it's not personal 
Like nobody is like individually setting out to, you know, setting out to hack you. They uh, are just throwing bots at anything that might be insecure. And, you know, hey, your website or email or whatever is likely to get caught in it. Yeah. All right. Let's go on to the next story. I think I'm going to swap stories to story five, LinkedIn, Alternative Universe. Um, I just thought that was an interesting article. Basically, folks, it's um, it's about the alternative world of LinkedIn, um, what they're trying to achieve on the platform. I, I find it a bit bizarre, really. Um, what did you think of this one, um, Spencer, LinkedIn? alternative universe i mean what i'm going to say about linkedin is like not necessarily about this article but the article reflects it is that i in i for the i don't remember when linkedin started quite frankly but i remember it being around as early as 2006 7 something so from like 2000 it was pretty it was pretty early and it was kind of interesting in the early days okay and so again this kind of relates to that remember we keep having this story that we talk about about the difference between trolls and real people in that neighborhood website where if you used your real name good things would happen. So in general, the opinion I have is that we should only allow people to use internet, social media with their real names, because that solves certain problems. In, in a strange way, LinkedIn originally allowed people, again, not only under your real name, but you had to, you know, theoretically have a business profile and your contact info. It was really quality interaction with people because I could literally find somebody professionally or personally who had similar interests in whatever I was doing. And I wouldn't go out and call it a dating service, but like literally it didn't matter whether it was a, like, I just need to know you for a business or I would need to know you to hang out and talk about something locally. The point was at a certain stage, and I don't know when in the last couple of years, <laughs> LinkedIn has become the alternative universe to bad behavior. Now what happens is it's not that somebody spams you as a troll or harasses you as a troll. What happens is everybody is your best friend the second they contact you. Like literally speaking, if you have a longstanding profile or you've published on LinkedIn, I, I must have 100 people a day who want to become contacts on LinkedIn. And instead of saying, hey, Spence, What's up with you? What are you doing? Tell me something that I, or I researched you and here's something. Instead, it's, hi, thanks for connecting. And then sends me 4,000 word essay on what they're going to do for me, which is essentially completely shut off any reason that I use LinkedIn. Like I literally cannot use it anymore. And that's really sad to me. So my concern with something like this is, if you look at a real dating site, like a Bumble or something, they have protections in place so that there's a mutual reason to connect. Unless they put something in place like that, the idea that there's going to be freelancers offering services on stuff on here, God knows what kind of just red light district this whole thing is going to turn into. Because whether it's for porn or whether it's for adult services or whether it's for phishing and spamming and scamming, there's clearly nobody managing the process between stranger bothering a stranger. And, and, and yet, at the same time, all of us who have our personal and business profile information on there are really exposed. I mean, that's another one last weird thing. I challenge anybody to go on LinkedIn. And this part is really weird. Go on LinkedIn and find a professional. doesn't matter if it's a man or woman. Pick your flavor. Click on their profile and then look at all the other people who are recommended. And what I'm telling you for a fact is that it is a visual match 
and a gender match between the person. So if you pick an attractive man, you will see a ton of hot guys. If you pick an attractive woman, you will see a ton of hot women. And their business that they're in is usually directly related to the hotness factor. I know this sounds really strange, but it's strange because let's say I was in the real estate business. If I clicked on a real estate agent and it was just some frumpy old man, I, I would get frumpy old men. But if I clicked on an attractive young man or woman, all of a sudden it'd be like dating site, hot or not. If you clicked on somebody that was in a business like, you know, massage services or something, good luck to you. So there's something really strange going on in LinkedIn in general, and it doesn't surprise me, but it'll be Wild West. Okay, that was my really, really, really long answer. All right, there you go. So oh, that, Chris, that, that's go interesting. It's, it, it sounds like um, one of those... It might be more interesting than Match this actually. picture. <laughs> I mean, what I'm saying, what I'm saying is this. I'm saying is a person who's, you know, been happily single and dating for some time. It's surprising when you see things that in your LinkedIn that look like you're on a dating app in the way the behavior is. And I have no doubt that they program that in intentionally. And I'm not saying, you know, hey, you can meet anybody you want at the grocery store or at a business conference, but I'm saying there's probably a lot of illicit services that go on through LinkedIn if you just dig under the surface. I, I guess so, I just like am not connected to anybody who's hot because I have never noticed this happening. No, we'll click, on, click on my profile, Sal. You'll see what I mean. Oh, well, <laughs> they they did that. once recommend that that I uh, 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 <laughs> yes recommend my husband to me as a connection. I'm like, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I already know what he's doing. Uh, right. Check but, his I mean, the, the, you know, the spammy stuff has been going on pretty much since the beginning, despite the fact that the original premise of LinkedIn was that you would hook up with people you had already met in real life and knew and therefore be able to like know who they were connected to and reach out to their their connections. There were always the people who were just like, yeah, I'm going to make as many say- connections as I can and yeah. then I'm going to spam all of them with with offerings. And I eventually just set my profile to, you have to have my email to connect. Um, yeah, I just wondered, you know, it's like so much of spamming. You wonder what how it works in some ways, you know, because you know, they send these really long-winded, you know, when you do allow them to connect, they send you like warm peace and who the hell's going to read like, it? Hi, like, I'm blah, 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 blah from blah, blah, blah in services. And here's like 40,000 words about what we do for you. And it's like, you don't even know what, what, what I do for a living. I mean, it's just... Yeah, who reads it? This is what, but um, Chris, you know, obviously it was bought by Microsoft for a huge amount of money. They also bought Lind- um, Linda and turned that into linking learning. And mm-hmm. we're in the learning game, aren't we? You know, so it looked like they were going to, you know, have the possibility of doing some really interesting stuff, but it's never really materialized, does it really, is it? Yeah, I mean, social and learning together is a very powerful concept. I'm not sure it's for Facebook, Facebook or LinkedIn or TikTok to figure out the intersection. I think the social learning of today and the future is going to be way more decentralized, like with niche communities that have their own little network and training content. Um, 
But yeah, link, LinkedIn, I think the biggest problem with it, I was thinking about it as you guys were talking, I get pitched so much like, yeah. oh, I see we're in the LMS industry, let's connect. Or, oh, I see you're the CEO of a company. Oh, I see you're in software. Here's well, my- Well, they're apparently one, one step above uh, uh, Spencer since people who want to connect to him don't even- you know, provide a pretext. Yeah. Well, there's, a, there's a lot of poorly written, poorly written, like you can tell it's just like formulaic, like insert, like industry, insert person name. It's it's just not good. And I think the problem with it actually comes down to authenticity. The more authentic people are as humans on a social networking app, the better it goes. So an example of this is like Facebook people tend to be a little bit more real, even if they're like professional, but they're they're just more themselves. Like in this LinkedIn professional networking thing, it's just, it's just to me, it feels more fake. Like, um, so and for again, example- they, they also seem to get, you know, they, 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 they always seem to be a bit, they just copy other platforms. And then when they implement something, that's a good idea. They always seem to implement it in a godforsaken way, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and and you gotta you gotta make it human. Like when I look, when somebody's trying to connect with me, I'm like, all right. If I see like WordPress, we're talking about WordPress trademark or whatever. I'm like, all right, this might be somebody who's genuinely like interested. Maybe they heard about me through WordPress, so I'm more likely to connect. Uh, like Facebook has like, oh, well, you're friends with Sally and Spencer and Jonathan and this person wants to connect with me. I'm like, all right, there's some social proof here. Maybe we all got juked by something, but like I'm more likely to accept that one, even though I don't know who you are. Um, well, they they used to show you like pretty much right up front how you were connected to somebody if that yeah. person had sent you an, an, an invite and that made it, you know, clearer. Uh, but yeah, I just basically never accepted connections from anybody I didn't know. Yeah. I'm a little looser with it, but, um, but yeah, like I think we just need some help as a society on how to do digital networking with people we haven't necessarily met yet. And I would actually blame Aaron Ross, the writer of this book in a good way. Uh, This is called predictable revenue. Aaron helped grow the Salesforce software company to, to however many millions of dollars through outbound prospecting. So outbound prospecting is when you go out into LinkedIn, you find roles at certain companies that you're targeting to sell to, and you do all this cold outreach. So this is a type of sales. I've learned so much from Aaron over the years, just about sales and marketing in general. He's a great author. He has another great book called Impossible. But what ended up happening, I think, is like I would just say that like 99 or 95% of sales professionals do prospecting wrong. They do the cold outreach wrong. They're just not good at it. They're not following the right steps. They're not targeting the right person. They're lazy. It it goes to like um, Seth Godin's recent work on the minimum viable audience. Like let's tone down the shotgun approach of like, all right, I'm going to just spray all these like executives with an opportunity to like, you know what? I'm really trying to target you know, hospital administrators in Northern California. Okay, now we're getting this specific. And all right, now what a hospital administrators in Northern California or whatever need? And like, let's just make it authentic and real. So it's just the spray and pray is the problem. Yeah, I think that was great. And so and funny enough, um, we're going to go on to our recommendations because I want to keep this around an hour. Uh, Ram, I know you're all busy with other stuff. Um 
So I want to go on to recommendations. Funny, my recommendation is linked to what you've just said. Um, I was listening um, to Rob Whaling's Startup for the Rest of Us, and Rob is going to be coming back on the show, going to be joining us on the roundtable in April. Um, he's um, always, always learn a lot from uh, Rob. And he had a great interview with Rand Friskin, another uh, individual I've learned a lot. Um, it's the latest episode, 537, and I suggest listeners and viewers, you go and listen to it because... It was one of those conversations that I actually learned a couple of things um, um, that I hadn't really thought about, and it really made me think. Um, and these are two really experienced digital entrepreneurs, and the honesty of the discussion was really, um, really um, great to hear. And it was just a great interview, basically. Um, all the links to everything, the panel, you'll be able to find on the WP Tonic website. So anything we discuss, you'll be able to find in the notes. So Sally, and please put everything you recommend into chat panel. Um, so um, that's my recommendation. Sally, uh, what's yours? Got something you want to recommend? Yes, uh, my recommendation for this week is a, a workshop that. WP Engine is sponsoring. Uh, it starts. It does not start until June, but apparently you have to uh, apply to participate. It's called Speak Up Black Speakers in WordPress Workshop. And, and uh, what they're explaining basically is that uh, <clears throat> one of the routes to uh, getting hired and, uh, you know, getting promoted and, and so on is public speaking and uh, that if they want a more uh, diverse uh, workforce at WP Engine, and if we want a more diverse community in general, uh, encouraging and helping uh, people to uh, speak uh, and therefore be seen, um, because uh, while there are actually a, a lot of Black people in tech, somehow nobody seems to know they exist. So... Um, if you feel like nobody knows you exist, uh, uh, go over to WP Engine. The link is kind of too long to repeat, so I will just, uh, uh, you know, it's in the, it's going to be in the show notes. Um, and I think probably if you search for like Speak Up Workshop, that would work too. That's great, Chris. Anything you want to recommend to listeners and viewers? Yeah, I just want to recommend uh, the. Aaron Ross, who I was talking about, he's, he's, he was one of the most influential thinkers that helped me in my early entrepreneurship. I read one of his books 11 years ago. I think it was called CEO Flow. And I really learned sales methodology and thinking through marketing frameworks from him. And it, it's a big part of why uh, you know an outdoor sled dog tour guy who didn't have power could build a software company because I learned sales from the guy who helped grow the largest SaaS company in Silicon Valley called Salesforce. And so his book is called Predictable Revenue. And uh, he's just a great thinker. And uh, he, he teaches how to do outbound sales the correct way. So if you are spamming people on LinkedIn, or you've been terrified to actually do outbound sales, I would definitely recommend um, picking up his book. And he has a lot of good stuff too, just around general sales, not just uh, cold outbound, but also uh, inbound or content marketing and relationship marketing is quite good. So check out 
Aaron Ross's books, Predictable Revenue, and the website is predictablerevenue.com. We put it into chat, hopefully, and it will be in the show notes. Um, Spencer, got any recommendations, Spencer, this week? I do. Um, <clears throat> if I may, I'd like to recommend two things. First of all, for those of you who enjoy fun toys, Product Hunt recommended to me this week Club Pad, which is this nice, fun little sound machine that you can keep on your desk and make annoying so, sounds. Uh, I'm so tempted to get it, but during, this is, you're going to be so fed up listening to you. It's free and super annoying to everybody on Zoom. I'm tempted to use uh, it for, uh, yeah, I'm tempted to use it in the interviews. <laughs> it would be awesome because, you know, you get you get all the, hey, that's a great point. Um, the, the next thing is slightly self-promotional, but this is something I've been talking about on the show. It's finally come to fruition. Um, WordPress has 250,000 plugins. And as we talked about last year, uh, I am one of the people who believes that we have reached a, a point where there are six or so key plugins and maybe a dozen or so other peripheral ones. Uh, our, our good friend Chris is here. Lifter LMS is one of the ones that is de facto standard for anybody building some things and obviously WP Fusion and so forth. So the number one and two pain points that I've been solving for 14 years now as an educator and a promoter and a marketer and everything in WordPress is people either have shiny ball syndrome or they have, I built a Frankenstein monster problem. When you have 200,000 open source plugins and themes, everybody has an opinion. And this week I got roasted and then vindicated by somebody who is an educator themselves claiming to their client to do things with A, B, C, D, and E. The problem was they don't have the factual basis to demonstrate that two of the things they recommended are six years old and are not the right way to do it or are redundant, creating a Frankenstein monster. And the client was angry. Oh, name him, name him, name the traitor. Okay, so <laughs> the point I'm making is this. Here's the point. I've launched a, a, a WordPress free discovery tool. What it does, you go to wplaunchify.com. We don't want to know this, Spencer. We want to know the, we want you to name the trainer. <laughs> I, you, anybody who goes online will figure it out because the person ultimately did a little bit of a mea culpa, but they were upset because they're a consultant and they sent their client to talk to me. And I told the client the facts and the truth and I demonstrated it. The client then became a little irate at the consultant as to why did you tell me to do all these other things? And then the conflict was more of like the emperor's new clothes. Here's the point. WP Launchify, it's a free engine. We created an engine that is essentially allows anybody to immediately, for free, no obligation, there's no spamming, there's no affiliate links, there's no, there's no monetization at all, to find the plugin stack that they need for their particular needs, whether it be automation or LMS or whatever. And it goes through questions that we've carefully designed to work together to spit out a free report for yourself or your clients. And it gives you just enough information, no affiliate links, to go find the plugins, learn more about them. Now, at the end, what does it do for me? I think it's obvious to anybody. This has been my focus for 14 years. If at the end somebody wants to talk to me, great. I give you my Zoom link or my email. If you don't want to talk to me, I'm happy that at least you're using the right stuff. 
because the faster that WordPress becomes like ClickFunnels or Kartra or Kajabi, where we all agree that these are the things to use and then everything else is sort of icing on the cake, the faster we'll stop wasting time with all these confused newbies going, what the hell am I supposed to do here? There's 47 meatloafs and 12 mashed potatoes being offered at this picnic. Which one do I choose? So this is the culmination of my last 12 months of me talking about WordPress as a stack, as a system. I guarantee 100% if somebody follows the advice of checking out these plugins, everything and anything they want to do is possible with no limitations, no backing up the truck. Does it exclude other things? Not necessarily, but I can give you a reason why we picked this versus that because some of the things people still use are being recommended like hooking your wagon up to the back of a Tesla. And it's like, sure, you can do it, but should you? Maybe not. So wplaunchify.com. Check it out. See if you agree. Oh, I just went through it, by the way, and it was it's really cool. It's really cool. And you did a great job with that. I was literally trying to build like a something like that with gravity forms to like a shopping assistant. And I'm right. I'm just blown away at what you've made here. This is really cool. I mean, Chris, you know, I'm I I would have recommended anyway, but like Lifter is our number one recommendation. It always has been because you build an outstanding product. And I love your business model and I love how you and Thomas are so passionate. So that's one of the factors. Like when we recommend things. We have internally all of the details and explanations as to why this should be used versus that and why, for example, Lifter with uh, another plug and another plug gives a solution. And it, it simplifies the two big problems right off the bat, which is analysis paralysis comes when you either don't know what to pick because there's so many choices or you pick the wrong thing. And you know what happens. One plugin that tries to do six things breaks the other things that would have done that better. And then everybody's upset. So I hope everybody will check this out. And it's just yep. launched today, so there's probably some layout and other issues here, but the basics of it work fine, and, and uh, I'd love yes. to hear back from you guys. And before we wrap it up, listeners and viewers, I also want to tell you um, um, we will be publicizing it some more. We just started a WP Tonic um, user group on Facebook. Um, we I will be publicizing it in the coming weeks. Spencer's has joined and so is Stephen and John Locke. We will be answering all your questions about marketing optimization and optimizing your WordPress website so it becomes a speed and and lead generating beast. Um, John, so, Jonathan, if I could just ask, why did you start a Facebook group instead of a LinkedIn group? Because <laughs> he's already yeah. married. Because <laughs> it's two hundred twenty-one, actually. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, and that—that's actually that's a fascinating question because that's a perfect example of LinkedIn inability. Because they had a good thing going there, didn't they? And then it all fell apart, didn't it? Actually, didn't it? And the um, show is is kind of a professional show. It's about building business, you know, software and business and stuff like that. So you chose Facebook for your business community. Exactly. Lots of WordPress uh, people do. And and the yeah. thing is that while you know I was fairly active in LinkedIn groups 10 yeah. years ago, but um you know they kind of deteriorated. Uh, yeah. As as other social networks came around, people spent less time on LinkedIn. And LinkedIn, unless you're in HR, if you're in right. HR, LinkedIn is for you. If you're in anything else, Facebook is unfortunately the reality. And there's just 
it's too, like we talked about, there's too many people that are too easily able to get into a Facebook on some topic. And I do it myself every day. I'd love to shut it off entirely, but you can't because that's where everybody hangs out. Yep, and there we go. I've managed to survive without it. There we go. That's why well, we challenge. There's a certain group that you just have to join, won't you? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Nope. Sorry. No, well, well, that's probably why you're not one of the founding members. <laughs> you, you don't use the platform. Uh, um, sorry. Um, we, oh God, what a show. Uh, what a train wreck. Uh, um, no, I've enjoyed it, actually. This is the viewers. Thank you, panel, so much for joining us. We'll be back next week with another. A um, great show where we look at the um, leading stories in WordPress and technology. We'll see you soon, folks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the WP Tonic Podcast, the podcast that gives you a dose of WordPress medicine twice a week.